0: Eric Roberts is a fucking man. He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began. We should give him every medal, every trophy, and award. He's the greatest fucking
1: actor that you've ever seen or ever heard. Eric Roberts, the fucking man. Eric Roberts,
0: the fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.
2: Hello ladies and gents, it's episode number 21 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the number one rated Eric Roberts related podcast not hosted by Eric Roberts, I'm Doug Tilly and it's March Madness, yes it's the first episode of March and here at Eric Roberts is the fucking man, what better way to celebrate than with the maddest man I know, it's my co-host Mr. Liam O'Donnell, how are you doing Liam? Yowza Yowza, that was a pretty excited (laughs) intro
0: I, it's, I, you know, whatever, it is what it is, I'm good, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great. That was an odd response to what just happened. Liam, I was tra- I, I was like, well, how do I how do I
0: sound crazy but not really like as if I didn't understand how to represent March Madness? So oh, I went Yowza. Yowza was the best I could do, man.
2: Yeah, well, I'm not a good improviser. No. Well, we can we can give it another shot if you want. No, it's no. We're not going to do that, Liam. You've had some exciting things happening in your life lately. Oh my god, <laughs> is that a, is that an affirmative? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Of yeah. course
2: when I say exciting things I don't mean the Eric Roberts projects that you've been watching lately. I so mean many. I mean outside of that, you've been doing exciting things on your podcast, which again I don't listen to other podcasts except my own. I don't have time right. in a day. No, understandably. But you interviewed someone very exciting on your podcast.
0: Yeah, so uh I have a few other podcasts, but on Cinepunks you know, Cinepunks. <laughs> La is dee a- da, Liam. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, I'm clarifying <laughs> here. Uh you know, Cinepunks is a weird podcast because we talk about you know, music and punk and hardcore, and we talk about movies. And so, uh, you know, we're big uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky fans, and that (laughs) documentary that happened recently, uh, uh, Jodorowsky's Dune, is like, I love that movie. Like, I'm a big fan. So when I looked up the director, and I found out he had only directed one other documentary, and that was the New York Hardcore documentary, it was such a weird, like, Coincidence, like a weird mm-hmm. connection of things that we talk about obsessively on the show. So I didn't think honestly he would ever want to be on the podcast because who cares about us? Like right. no one lists. Of course, to the show. who cares about you? Yeah, guys. it literally doesn't. But mm-hmm. uh, 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 Mr. Mr. Doug Tilly actually said, Well, you should just ask him. You should just, yeah. <laughs> you should just ask, ask ask him to be on the show. In fact,
2: I should mention that someone else related to that documentary, Jodorowsky's Dune, has has expressed very clear interest in being a guest on a future episode. So it was weird. We were talking about that. And I was like, yeah, just ask him. You, what's the worst that – I mean, the worst he could say is, fuck you, you're irritating, and I never want to hear from you again. Sure. But he'll do you one better? And he said yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was literally like he's like, well, I live in Switzerland now, but I'm going to be in New York in February. Holy shit. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> – Maybe we could get together in February. And it worked out. So we, I thought it was a good conversation. It's fun because, you know, those – I mean, they're both just documentaries, but the subject matters are so wildly different that it also allowed for the conversation to have a lot of variety. And he told some really funny stories. turns out a friend of ours from Philadelphia took a bus to Toronto from Philadelphia when the movie premiered at uh, TIFF. And then he sat behind Frank. And then at the end, he was like, hey, you know, I really liked your movie. You know, if it had sucked, I was going to punch you in the head.
2: <laughs> well, I saw that movie at TIFF, and I would have witnessed that punching. Yeah, you would have. You were there for the Q&A. There's video of that. Oh, my God. Very exciting. Anyway, none of this has to do with Eric Roberts, so you got to shut up for a bit. Because, oh, God. Yeah. Our guest today is best known in the country of Canada, which is where I live, as a former Cineplex pre-show host. But I know him as the witty, fun-loving man of the people... Named Mr. Ben Gordon. How are you doing today, Ben? Hey, I'm doing great. A ben, witty, fun-loving man of the people. Is, are, are you? Are you contesting that? Uh, no, it's that just. I wrote?
1: It's, it's just very kind. Thank you so much. I'm ben, so glad I, to
2: be here. Ben, I love you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: what, what an interesting opening! Wow. I do. Is I, that true? I, yeah, I do. I love your personality. I love. I love your uh, the, your funny way about you. <laughs> No, I of course enjoyed uh for people who don't know what the fuck I'm talking about as well they shouldn't. Uh here in Canada, uh there's a very large movie chain, uh called Cineplex. It's the only
1: and movie chain, right? Really.
2: Really, yeah, it's the only movie chain. That's <laughs> right. And and they uh before movies, they have a kind of twenty minute half hour pre-show, which uh it's a lot of uh, uh Product placement and all that shit But they had hosts. They had a contest for hosts And Ben won that contest That's And right. he was someone that we watched Before movies For Was it a full year Ben? It was full year Yeah it was one year And again Ben I don't want to belabor the point I did like being able to see you Before all of my favorite movies And even some movies I didn't like at all well, But I'm I was sorry. so happy I'm glad you. that I could be there uh, for you because I know I know this about you, Doug Tilly. I know that you were not such a huge fan of the show uh-huh. <laughs> for a long time. My wife if- used to say, "I hate that fucking Mark Saltzman." Again, people not in <laughs> Canada don't know who that is. That's okay, but she would like rage at him in the cinema, and uh, the only thing that would calm her down would be the. Uh, the lucid grin from uh, Mr. Ben Gordon. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm glad that I could uh, sort of uh,
1: help make the situation uh, a little calm for uh-huh. her, a little more entertaining. Because uh, Saltzman, you know, he's he's a controversial guy. I actually remember, um, this is sort of a digression, but I remember Ooh. sort of trying to pitch. I, I had a bunch of crazy ideas when I was on
2: the pre-show. And I think maybe like my sensibilities were a little weirder than... They would have liked but I, really I think that's safe to say Not not to interrupt Ben But the guy that they Replaced all three of you With is like a cardboard Cut out of a human Sure he's a very nice guy He's very handsome He's very like a, handsome. a
1: tall drink of water
2: Yeah he looks like He looks like he came out Of like Twilight Which is interesting Because that relates to One of our movies today But I digress You you could please Continue with your. Story. Oh
1: absolutely he does Um, he, So yeah oh I remember With Mark Saltzman I, w- I was like wouldn't it Be great if you guys Did a gear guide segment Because he's like the Tech guy for the show. Mm -hmm. And I said, you should do one where he is like at the club. Uh, And, you know, he's like, when I want to attract fly honeys at the club, I pull out my Samsung GPS and like he would do. And and they were like, they actually kind of like that. I don't know if he'll, if he would ever agree. Although I'm seeing him now in like other things. I was at a Best Buy once and he was on the TV at Best Buy. He's everywhere now. at Saltzman.
2: That's fine line between technical expert and unbelievable shill don't you think <laughs> it's it's difficult it's, it's very tricky it's difficult and i, I don't know. mean to, I, can you know,
0: i can i ask a non-canadian question please
2: do liam i feel like we were getting very canadian there
0: <laughs> what do you have a is there a name for your uh, crappy 20 minute pre-show
1: it's the cineplex pre-show is the name <laughs> okay <of> that. That's <laughs> and,
0: and so there's so now every theater you know in in, in the united states we have Many theater chains, and they all have their own Ooh. version, but none of them compare. There was one theater chain, I don't even remember which one it was. They call it the 20. Oh, that's like right. it's that so was regal. That was real. Yeah, regal. Story. Yeah, yeah. And but they make it. Make sure you get here early for the twenty. And oh. every time I would just get so something about it just made me mad. It just made it's me a real sultry. mad.
1: It's like welcome to the twenty. I remember that thing. Yeah, I'm we like, never yeah. got that sultry on on the Cineplex show. We actually did two different versions. We would do like the regular pre-show, and there was a whole different one for the kids, where we really had to turn it up to eleven.
2: Oh, that's and, interesting. Did you, yeah. have to, you didn't have to do it in both English and French. No,
1: no, no. I can't speak a word of French. Uh, so it was always English. And if you want, I mean, there's no way to go back and watch them now. But what's fascinating is, like, <laughs> they tried because, you know, we won this contest. It was myself, uh, Sam Maggs, and Shannon Burns were the three winners. And, uh, and I, w- I was first, I just want to say. I was in the <laughs> votes. Uh, but we were all um, sort of brought in. And I think the way that they uh, tried to format the show originally was to kind of write to who we they thought that we were right so i think they thought that i was kind of like a bit of like a clueless idiot like i was a bit of a dummy so like every time i would go you know i'd be like not knock and they'd say who's there and i'd be like best pre show ever and that was the whole joke and then i would go to the uh cineplex hq i'd go to their head office and they'd be like knock knock cineplex best pre-show ever and i was like you guys wrote that I (laughs) i didn't come up with that you wrote it And then we get into a big debate, you know, but they were all very nice people. Uh, It was, it was a very good experience. Yeah. I'm no longer, I'm a former host. I'm no longer on the screen, but it was, it was a good learning experience. We might get back
2: to this a little bit later, Ben, but right now I need to know what is your Eric Roberts history? Right. Eric Roberts history. Um, (laughs) You are on a podcast about Eric Roberts. I should mention that. Is that what we're
1: doing? Uh, (laughs) So, um, you know, I'm not a big Eric Roberts expert. I told what? you this when you had me do the show. And you no, were like, no,
2: no, no. You told me that you knew everything there was to know about Eric Roberts. <laughs> oh, God, this is how you
1: rope us in. So okay, here's what I know. So when I was maybe six or seven, um, I remember that my – I think the first time I ever saw Eric Roberts was on the cover of a VHS copy of The Pope of Greenwich Village, which I've still oh. never seen but I've heard is an excellent film because uh, my parents had a copy of that at the house. And I was really – I was curious as a kid because I'd see – you know, you'd walk through, uh, you know, a video store or whatever, and, and, the, and the covers would grab you, but you were too young to fully sort of grasp what they were. But I do remember that, that cover and seeing that handsome man on there, not really aware of who he was, um, but my first experience probably seeing an Eric Roberts movie, besides maybe the cable guy in theaters when I was like <laughs> nine, was uh, Cecil B. Demented. I was probably 12 years old when that came out. Two of his <laughs> biggest parts. <laughs> and I can't even recall I, who he was in the film. And I just remember that sort of that uh, spirit of anarchy uh, in that movie and seeing that at that age. Like, I, I, I've never quite shaken that
2: feeling. So you've Except, seen a total of seven minutes or so of Eric Roberts. <laughs>
1: that's about it. Well, you know, I've seen I, I was sort of scrolling through the IMDb and, and realizing how <laughs> prolific the man is. He's, he has over 400 credits, I think, which is uh, I don't know. He does? Your listeners that I'm sure. Uh, But you know what, what I was sort of ashamed (laughs) of was how few of these films I've seen uh, or the few that I have seen that, that that I recall him in Uh, but that doesn't take away from, you know, the importance of the man or, or how he's impacted my life. Like I feel like because he's such a ubiquitous presence, Um, even though I might not be actively thinking about Eric Roberts all the time, like you gentlemen, I'm, I'm still affected by him in some way, you know, just by him being in so many films, like he's everywhere. You know, in
2: my defense, I'm only really thinking about Eric Roberts during my waking hours. So you're not having any
1: dreams about Eric Roberts? Oh,
2: actually I have had a couple of dreams about Eric Roberts, but they're not nightly. So what I'm saying is I couldn't, I couldn't strictly say that it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Eric Roberts. We're, we're talking about, you know, maybe a good 17 hours a day. You're That's such not... a
0: poser. So I weak. Know.
2: <laughs> I know. I'm a weak poser. That's very good, Liam. Yeah. Liam, have you watched any Eric Roberts in your spare time this week? Um,
0: I watched a couple of trailers. Oh. I watched the trailer for...
2: Uh, Compadres? Have you watched this trailer? I haven't. I should mention this in the Roberts Report, though I'm not going to, but I did see that there is a trailer for a movie called Compadres featuring Eric Roberts coming out.
0: Yeah, I mean uh, anytime I can catch Eric Roberts in a trailer for a movie that doesn't look like absolute trash, mm-hmm. is, I'm stoked. That's like, I, okay. I literally when the trailer ended, I looked at my wife with this
2: look of joy, and I was like, did you see? Eric Roberts is in that. Like, so excited. <laughs> What have we done with our lives? You know, since we're talking about the news, I think we should just start the Roberts Report. Now, Liam, please continue. What is Compadres about? Uh,
0: you know, hmm. so it seems like it's a it's a it's a film that is. Ooh. I can't tell if it's Mexican or if it's an American film set in Me- – So part of the movie's in Spanish. Okay. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Mexican character who needs the help of a hacker, so he finds a gringo hacker to be gringo. his help, and it's like a fat red-haired kid. And I think he's a criminal. He's trying to like clear – there's something going on where he's not, maybe not so bad, but there's a lot of stuff of like the kid looking sad or scared <laughs> and fat and the Mexican guy shooting other Mexican guys. And then Eric Robertson in an FBI jacket being like, whoa, and just, just that over and over again. Lots of jokes about, you know, are you the what, you know, the names of all the different sort of uh, gangsters? You know, are you the clown? Are you the accountant? Are you the whatever? They all have titles, you know, the whatever. Of I don't course. know. It's. It was like a goofy, it looked like a really goofy, silly comedy, okay. but it didn't look maybe like it had been made on a laptop, so that it was already a little bit, it was a higher level than maybe some of what we
2: watched this week. Well, I'm looking forward to one day seeing Compadres. But sold. Yeah, I'm sold. Ben's sold. We're all sold, so maybe Ben will come back and talk about Compadres one day. But first we need to talk about the appearance of Eric Roberts on the television show Scorpion. Do you remember, Liam, on the last episode we mentioned that he was going to be on a TV show called Scorpion?
0: I did, and we were confused because that's not a thing I know that exists. In the yeah, world. I
2: didn't think it existed, and I'm still not entirely convinced. But there were reviews for his appearance on this television show named Scorpion, which has Robert Patrick from Terminator 2 in it. Uh, I saw a bunch of photos from like uh, from this episode, and they all showed the Price is Right in them. So I didn't know what the fuck was going on because a show called Scorpion you think would be like some sort of – like cop drama or something like that that's what my understanding was but i think it's some sort of like weird comedy drama mix that's fascinating the
1: guy if you look at all these pictures from the episode i mean he's got he's very excited to be on the price is right this is not eric roberts mind you this is some Mm -hmm. other guy and he's got a shirt that says pick me i'm a super fun guy so (laughs) uh, it looks great (laughs) fun guy
2: sounds like a mushroom how about that liam that was a good joke good work Okay, so on the latest episode of Scorpion, Sly, who's apparently a character on the show, finally saw his game show dreams become a reality while the team caught a dubious case courtesy of Cave's old friend Mick, Mick Doherty, played by Eric Roberts from Lost Girl, of course his most famous role, involving a possible bioweapon and high-end race cars in the amusingly titled The Fast and the Nerdiest. Oh. <laughs> so Amused. one day... One day we'll catch up on Scorpion. Not the whole series, thank fucking God. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> Wait, are we sure that it's a real show? I've never heard of it.
2: I've never heard of it. It's apparently on CBS, which is a real network.
1: That's uh, a real network, absolutely. R-
2: yeah, and of course, recently Eric Roberts was on the NBC network, which is also a fairly real no- network, For on that Wesley Snipes show, which I think has already been canceled.
1: Oh, rough. Has he been on ABC
2: yet? Uh, he was on ABC for at least two seasons of that sitcom. What was it called again, Liam?
0: Oh, I don't know. What was it called? It was,
2: oh boy, you think that two Eric Roberts experts would know this, but we, I just don't. There's too
1: much. There's too much to know at it all. It's only one of 400 plus titles that he's been a part of. So Well, we actually covered,
2: well, actually Liam didn't, my uh, former co-host, and I covered the first pilot episode of that show with Mr. Will Harris uh, a few months back. Anyway, he was on ABC, yes, so he hit the big three. Uh, that's what it, I wanted to know, yeah, that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Well, here's something interesting that you probably also want to know, Ben. Uh, ben Gordon. Recently, there was a something, some sort of award show, a, a, an Academy Award show. Right. Uh, what do they call those? The uh, the Oscars. Right. Nope. I don't think so. I oh. think you're thinking of that Sylvester Stallone movie. But the uh. Academy Awards <laughs> happened. Fairly recently And one of the things the Academy Awards is known for And I read all about this recently Is their gift bags Their grab bags that are given to celebrities Full of really expensive stuff
0: Lots um, of stuff, lots of crazy stuff
2: I heard that the most recent uh, big grab bag Had an excess of $200,000 worth of material in it Wow uh, I also read an article I think it might have been on Slate Which me- which actually explained why these things exist Because they're not provided by the Academy. It's actually an outside company that does it. And part of it, part of the way that they get people to get to uh, companies to put stuff into this bag is by thinking that maybe, you know, maybe a celebrity will be shown with this in his hand or using it in some way. Well, that's a really small likelihood. So the other reason that they do this is because when you announce that you've given all these celebrities a bag worth $200,000, dollars Tons and tons of internet sites all write up articles about how ridiculous that is, and they list all the shit that's in the bags, and that's advertising for these people who put the stuff in the bags in the first place. That's so insidious, but brilliant at the same time. It's insidious I think. <laughs> well, on an article over at Mashable called, Hollywood Stars Grab Hoverboards at Pre-Oscars Party Despite <laughs> Government Warnings, <laughs> which of course we will link in the show notes, there is a lovely picture of one Mr. Eric Roberts grabbing himself a hoverboard, which uh, apparently <laughs> a hoverboard made by Swagway,
1: <laughs> the, the light number light.
2: one name in, in hoverboards. Now, I, my understanding is that hoverboards have been banned from a lot of locations because they're dangerous and they look stupid and only idiots use them. But they keep exploding in things. They keep exploding? Is it like uh, those vaping things? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you vape yourself, Liam?
0: I really am not a. I'm trying to be diplomatic because I don't know what your listening public is like. I can tell Um, you, my
2: other podcast co-host is quite the vapist. In fact, he has a a web show about vaping.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not a vape apologist. Um, (laughs) I don't. You know, I think I think vape is worse than death in many cases, and I just I'm not a fan of it. I think it's gross and it smells bad.
2: How about yourself Ben? Are you a
1: vapor? I have never once in my life vaped nor will I ever. And that's mm.
2: you've heard it here first. Strong opinions here on Eric Roberts <laughs> the fucking man regarding vaping. I also don't vape. So I guess it's a 3 3 times a charm. So this episode vape, is vape free. Yeah, this is a vape free show, but it is not a hoverboard free show because uh, we all know now that Eric Roberts in his house or in one of his many homes perhaps, he has a hoverboard just sitting there waiting to be used. And I can only hope that one day soon, over on Eric Roberts' Twitter feed, we get to see a photo of him riding around on that hoverboard. Do you think he'll actually ride it? Uh, probably. I don't know. You know what? If I had one, even though they look fucking stupid and only <sighs> morons use them, sorry, audience, I would have to use it once just to see what it was like. Uh, there'd be a part of me that would be afraid. That'd be like, "Oh my god, I love this so much. This is the only way I want to travel from."
0: <laughs> I would. I kind of picture someone coming home with that bag of stuff and just immediately putting it all up on eBay or something. Or There's got to be some like secondary market for oh, yeah, Oscar grab bag stuff. There's a whole bunch a of, of really
2: – one, one of the things in it was like they would donate to a charity on your behalf and that's kind of a nice thing. Like thousands of dollars. But what – I don't – okay. I wish I was one of those people who was just like nominated for an Academy Award once when I was a kid like that – what's her name from the whale rider (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) And then it's like, well, I mean, I can just keep showing up to the awards, right? And getting these grab bags. I guess that's the rule because, I mean, Eric Roberts got one. So why can't I have one as the star of the whale rider?
1: Yeah. You know, and and Eric Roberts doesn't care about, he he doesn't need, he doesn't need a charity. He's got his hoverboard. He's happy. It seems like, and I don't know. I, I mean, I would probably go the Eric Roberts route and just ride the hoverboard. Have you uh, ever ridden? To... A, have either of you ever ridden a hoverboard? Not once, never. No. Not once have I vaped. Not once have I hoverboarded.
2: Do those things even hover? How do they work? They are just. I think they're sort of like. I think they're this thing. I don't know.
0: <laughs> it's a, no, it's just a small version of a Segway. it's, yes, the same it's a small version Segway.
2: of a Segway without a handle on it, right?
0: Right, and you you move forward by leaning forward, but unlike a Segway where you lean forward, there's like a. Push the, you know, the, you have the handles and you push on the handle, and that's how you go forward with the hoverboard you just lean your body so you, it really is in a sense a test of your balance which is why there's so many funny videos of people just fucking falling yeah. off of them cuz it's not an easy thing to do especially if you're like old and famous
2: i can't believe i couldn't remember the word segway considering of course that the company that produced these hoverboards was swagway swagway <laughs> <laughs> hey over at newsobserver.com there's the announcement of a new, <laughs> amazing-sounding, horse-related Eric Roberts movie called Unbridled. Apparently, it starts off on a bleak note about a woman named Karen who's being abused by her boyfriend, Roger, and turns to alcohol. Roger is prostituting Karen's daughter, Sarah, somewhat with her mother's knowledge. This sounds awfully bleak what? and depressing. Yeah. But this independent movie, being filmed this month in Wake County, ultimately tells the story of Faith. And Redemption, and it's inspired by the Coral Riding Academy in Cary, which is apparently a place, a program that pairs girls who have experienced trauma and abuse with rescue horses. uh, Have you guys, both of you, I'm going to ask you, Ben, first, have you ever ridden a horse? Uh, Maybe when I was five or six years old,
1: and that's it, just once. Were you born in the United States, Ben? I was. I was born in New England. Uh, I was raised in southern Maine. And then moved to New Hampshire later in life, and there was a farm called Smiling Hill Farm where you could ride a horse, and I went there once. It was how, great. How about you,
2: Liam? Are you a, a horse rider?
0: No, that's not, that's not a thing for me. No.
2: Now, you are – you live in Pennsylvania, and as we have learned in, uh, a couple episodes ago, people in Pennsylvania like to ride those carts behind horses.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a real big Pennsylvania thing. I don't know what that's
2: about. Well, in this movie called Unbridled, Eric Roberts, an award-winning actor and perennial film villain, is playing Roger – in a scene being shot in the kitchen, <laughs> I'm reading right from the fucking article here. He was in the area last week to film scenes, so he's going to be in a scene in a kitchen. So uh, we'll be you looking to forward. see what that kitchen looks like. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And let's you know, we're actually we could we could we could have these goofs and grins all night long, just talking about all the latest Eric Roberts news. It's so much fun, but we do have to finish up. And as per usual, we'll finish up. With recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page Is the short film Oiled Up from director Richard Selvey Featuring an all-star cast including Chuck Zito, Kathy Moriarty, Vincent Pastore And Eric Roberts as the delightfully named Lone Shark Uh, Be looking for the short film Oiled Up coming to Vimeo? (laughs) Something like that? Maybe a short film festival (laughs) near you? It's possible I go, I go to short film collections sometimes, we might see oiled up there I did look up uh, Richard Selby and uh, he has a minor internet pre- presence But I could not find any more information on his production, oiled up But keep your eyes out, starring Kathy Moriarty, Vincent Pastore, and of course, one Mr. Eric Roberts Ben Gordon Yes You have chosen two movies for us to discuss tonight
1: Two films, uh, not a lot of correl- correlation there besides Eric Roberts. Really, I don't know. There's a, there's an older film and a newer film.
2: Yeah, it was. You know, when you when I mean, you took your time. You really did want to make sure that you picked two winners for your appearance. <laughs> on Eric Roberts is the fucking man, and I appreciate that. Some people just go willy nilly and they end up picking something that is just. Fucking terrible and barely features Eric Roberts and maybe it has werewolves or something in it, some sort of horseshit like that. What have mm-hmm. you got for us today?
1: Well, we've got the 1996 film Heaven's Prisoners, oh, uh, which I we'll get into. And then mm-hmm. uh, there's another movie uh, with, that barely features Eric Roberts uh-huh. and is about werewolves. It's called uh,
2: Dark Moon Rising. Dark, and that's from last year. Dark Moon Rising from 2015. Well, we'll get to that a little bit later. But first, we're going to take our first break. And when we return, we're going to talk about 1996's Heaven's Prisoners. Sounds very interesting. We'll get right to that after this. A hardened New Orleans cop, Dave Robichaux, finally tosses in the badge and settles into life on the bayou with his wife. But a bizarre plane crash draws him back into the fray when his family is viciously threatened. It is 1996's Heaven's Prisoners, starring, of course, one Mr. Alec Baldwin, but also featuring... The beautiful, wonderful Mr. Eric Roberts in a supporting role This comes to us from Phil Jono I'm probably massacred that last name Who also is the director of the cult classic Three O'Clock High Which I watched a dozen times when I was a kid You 2 Rattle and Hum, for fans of U2 And a few years ago he did that short film with um, Tom... What's his name? Fuck
0: Thomas Jane?
2: With Thomas Jane, the Punisher, Dirty Laundry, which was uh, Thomas Jane's attempt to get back into the Punisher franchise. Didn't work. So uh, Heaven's Prisoners is known for sitting on the shelf for about three years. It was actually filmed, I think, back in like 1993 – uh, and was supposed to originally be released in 1994, but uh, because of, I think, some, um, some changes in the distribution company at the time, it ended up not coming out in the theaters at all. I have distinct memories of this movie coming out in 1996. I will say that as a 16-year-old at the time, uh, a movie called Heaven's Prisoner starring Alec Baldwin held little interest for me. <laughs> However, returning to it, there is a lot of interesting things going on, at least... That's my opinion, but let's start today with our guest Ben Gordon. Ben Gordon, what did you think of 1996's *Heaven's Prisoners*? Well, you know, unlike uh, another film
1: that we may discuss later on, mm-hmm. uh, this this is this is a movie. This is an actual movie. Like it's it's got uh, <laughs> nice cinematography. Um, the plot is a, a little hard to follow at times. There's a lot of balls in the air with this one. Like there's just plenty mm-hmm. of of uh, plot threads that are all kind of culminating. Um, but there's something about kind of this like early nineties cinematic sensibility that I, that I miss. And so it was nice to, uh, kind of jump back in time, you know, back to 1993 slash six and enjoy young Alec Baldwin, uh,
2: <laughs> sort of in a hard boiled, uh, New Orleans situation here. Yeah, it's almost noirish. I mean it really is. Yeah. He's not he's not really a detective. He's sort of a retired detective. But I mean he's he he there's even like a femme fatale at its center. It really does kind of revel in some of those cliches. Definitely is is sort of playing with noir for sure.
1: Um, but yeah, but in the bayou, you know, which is interesting. <laughs> and it means that everybody in this movie, and especially Alec Baldwin, is super sweaty. Yes. Like, it's just so hot, you feel the heat. And you see the sweat just running down his forehead. And it, it, it just – it kind of adds to the intensity of a movie that sometimes drags. Um, but I will say that I enjoyed watching it even though I might not consider it, uh, you know, like a great movie. It was, it was, it was a fun watch. Uh, Eric Roberts, who I guess we'll get to very very soon, <laughs> I, I'm hoping, uh, is huh? – uh, he's incredible. Um, we'll talk about that later. He plays a guy named Bubba Rock. There's Am a I lot right of
2: strange thing? names in this fucking movie, but yeah, you're totally you're totally hitting it there. But we will get to Eric Roberts in just a little bit. But before we do that, Liam, what did you think of 1996's "Sweaty Heaven's Prisoners"? <laughs>
0: I mean, it is it is very sweaty and oppressive in 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 uh, sort of the atmosphere of it. Like, the, and even like his actions, like every scene. Um, it just feels very. There's very little casual things happening in the film, you know. Like, uh, but I, I really liked it. I, I guess the plot wasn't my prop Like at first, I thought I'm really confused by this plot. You know, like I'm starting <laughs> to lose it. But as I paid attention, I realized no, I understand what's happening. What I was losing track of was the why. Like mm-hmm. it's almost like the film gets so excited about what it's doing that it it sort of loses the questions of is it okay for this guy to just pull out a gun. All across Louisiana, like not even (laughs) just in New Orleans, everywhere he goes, he's just got a gun in someone's face, he's trying to figure out what's going on, and I'm like, sure, he'd get a little bit of leeway after uh, his wife is murdered, like... Clearly, they're, oh, you know, he's he's gambling out there, whatever. But it, he it goes on forever, and like at no point does anyone have the conversation of him of maybe it's not okay for you to be doing what you're doing. Like this seems like maybe a bad idea. And then I realized that's how I felt about all the characters. Like everybody was really acting the shit out of their roles, <laughs> but I couldn't figure out why they were doing what they were doing. Like it was clear to me exactly why things were happening. On the other hand. Um, and maybe it was because I did watch it after having watched our other selection. I was just oh. so glad that things were happening. I could tell <laughs> what was happening on the screen. Um, I, I, you know. It, it, Terry Hatcher he is doing her thing. Mary Stuart Masterson, I love her. So there's stuff going on. I, I guess the only thing that I was really confused about when it was over. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a few things actually, but one of the things I just couldn't figure out is where was his his wife just felt like the only, not grimy person in the whole movie. And I didn't quite understand. Uh, her and the little girl. Or the only Maybe, people maybe that, the
2: entire state.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like everywhere <laughs> they go. Even just like side. Like, not even like real characters, just people on the street just look like they're about to go to a crime of some kind, <laughs> and only his wife. and I found myself when the movie was over thinking, Where did she come from? What was going on there? Like, <laughs> why, she's why the is old... she
1: existing in this seedy
2: world? Like, yeah, and how did they end up together? I don't, I
0: don't understand. I love
2: that this beautiful, like, this model attractive woman has hooked up with this police officer or this detective. And she's, you know, he's retired because it was just, you know, he was an alcoholic. He's got to get away from that life. So he decides to open up a bait shop in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Uh, so he lives in this bait shop with his model wife.
1: <laughs> they ride their boat around. They ride
2: their boat around. <laughs> to be clear. It's not just a bait shop. They also rent boats. That's they right. rent boats. and He's they- living the dream is what I'm saying. He lives in yeah. a fucking swamp. <laughs> and oh, But everyone they, they start out really happy So just to give a little bit of more A little bit of elaboration on the plot So this plane He's out on his boat with his wife And this plane crashes next to them Like it it
1: flies right over their heads Like this almost is, raises their heads
2: Yeah they, there's this great underneath shot With like all their hair <laughs> moving around And I'm like that looks so dumb But I bet it's in the trailer Yeah um, <laughs> But but so the plane crashes, and he dives down, and he finds there's this uh, – an immigrant girl, like a young girl in there. And the plot of the movie is based around the idea of Alec Baldwin and his wife just sort of taking this girl for they themselves. Just, they just take her. They're, They're just, just like, this is our girl family. now.
1: They're like, yeah, you're our daughter now And everybody's cool with it And uh, yeah, they just become a little mini family With the daughter that they name Alifair I had to rewind like four or five times to hear that properly
2: I mean, there's like I said, there's so many dumb names And maybe, again, look, if you're in Louisiana Maybe they don't seem so dumb But for someone like me (laughs) With a really normal name uh, (laughs) People people named Alifair seem kind of dumb like not them themselves but certainly their names anyway so they raise this girl but what ha- we've discovered is that on isn't that this, isn't this the first point at which you're confused
0: like why are
2: they raising the girl Oh, yeah, but we just kind of – you kind of got to let that go.
0: You just got to – they're just raising the girl. Everybody wants them to raise the girl, but they're going to pretend it's their daughter. Do-
2: whatever. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, even though she doesn't speak English, which is – Not I mean, a word. That's, that's a Not hurdle. a problem for them, really. Yeah, they got over that incredibly quickly. I mean, I don't know how much time was passing during this, but it felt like three days. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, on that plane as well was a notorious drug dealer, and because of that – um. Alec Baldwin and his wife get a visit from a – I guess he's like a CIA agent played by Vonnie Curtis Hall, the director of Glitter and also from uh, Marvel's Daredevil. He yeah, was, he was from Daredevil. I knew I'd yeah. seen him before. He, he's a lot younger here, <laughs> as, <laughs> as happens with life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the vicious passing of time just ravaging people.
2: So Alec Baldwin goes in search of like all the shit that's going on behind this plane crash. The fact is if he had just lived his life with his wife and this girl – He probably could have gotten away with them all being happy together forever. But he literally brings everything that happens in this movie upon himself, which culminates in his wife getting shotgunned to death in her bed. And then him going on sort of a spree of beating up people and pointing guns at their heads. Until he gets to the mastermind. Now, uh, we'll talk again about Eric Roberts in just a moment. But there are, again, a few... Interesting elements to this The first thing I want to talk to you about, Ben, once again uh, I guess it's the second thing, really Is Alec Baldwin's accent in this movie Now, we of course know that Alec Baldwin is a master of accents Especially for those of you who've seen The we Departed The Departed And, I mean, he, he gives a master class in a Boston accent in that movie He goes, the, the potka, that sort of thing <laughs> But here, here he's in Orleans. And he's got to give a Louisiana accent, you see. Uh-huh. Oh, I guarantee. That sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, you nailed that. Yeah, I know. I Believe me. I've been practicing. <laughs> uh, and that is Alec Baldwin for the entirety of this movie. Ben Gordon, what did you think of Alec Baldwin in Heaven's Prisoners? Let's talk about that. Because
1: instantly, what I thought of when Alec Baldwin opened his mouth in this movie. Do you guys remember? I honestly think this is the best sketch that SNL has done in the last like five years. But there was a sketch called Main Justice. Do you remember this? I Um, don't. I want to hear. Yeah, there was Jason Sudeikis and like I think Jamie Foxx was hosting that night. And so he's kind of like – so he's – Jason Sudeikis is a judge. It's a courtroom scenario. It's supposed to be a courtroom in Bangor, Maine. But like everything they're discussing is Bayou related. And they go, this is here. (laughs) This is Maine justice. (laughs) And they never bother to explain it. It's just like people doing like really – lathered on, uh, new Orleans accents. Um, but presented under the guise of it being like a main courtroom show. Uh, and that's exactly what this reminded me of. Like, I just was never quite sold on Baldwin's accent here. I just thought of him saying like, look at here, it's main justice. So <laughs> I really recommend you watch that sketch. Cause that's what Alec Baldwin sounds like in this movie. Well, I say, uh, I say, sir, I say. And he was so, yeah, it was great. I mean, it's fun to kind of listen to him. Try, uh, it's a little distracting though. You know what I mean? It's sort of, you almost bother – you wonder if they should have even bothered with it if, or if he just should have been Alec Baldwin living in the South. Uh, Eric
2: Roberts is the fucking man. It's slogan. I wonder if they ever should have really bothered with it. <laughs> 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 Liam O'Donnell, what did you think of Alec Baldwin in Heaven's Prisoners? He is the star of this movie. Um, you know, the, when, he's, when he's drunk
0: – and generally in despair. You know, he's he's got it together. Uh I, I feel like it works. Um when he is got his revolver out and he's threatening somebody, I'm like, yeah, that you know, it's there. It's all the moments that happen in between those moments where I, I just feel like he just sort of exists. He's just he just is Alec Baldwin. Like there's nothing like he's he's good at being sad and he's kind of good at getting angry. But then the rest of the movie, I, I maybe I'm just distracted by that. I mean, you, you're making fun of the accent. It's it comes and goes like it's not. <laughs> it's not. It, it's maybe it's not quite the Dennis Hopper Irish accent from uh, From <laughs> what what was
2: that Oh from Blood Red is that what it was called Blood
0: Red? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was Blood Red. But the other movie we discussed <laughs> that was terrible. That was the worst accent I've ever heard. It's not quite that bad, but it is like it's strange. Because he is they should he should have either just left it alone or he should have gone even more ridiculous. Like just he like, fucking
2: ball game went yado down to Lansdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. No, I understand exactly what you're trying to say, Liam. Uh I actually think Alec Baldwin does I mean, like you said, when he has to play intense, he plays intense very well. Yeah. Because he's this is pre phantom Alec Baldwin. So he was a lean, mean intensity machine. Uh yeah. But he does seem to be trying to outaccent a lot of people in this movie uh, yeah. the, the supporting cast is actually really interesting You mentioned Mary Stewart Masterson She plays an um, exotic dancer with a heart of gold <laughs> <Exactly>. Yeah, sure <laughs> exactly. And we have Terry Hatcher who does uh, get naked in this movie uh, and In fact, she's introduced naked And we learn later, spoiler alert That she's like the mastermind behind the whole goddamn Nasty business. We also For some get some reason. We also For, get a small that's a discernible fucking reason. We'll get to that in just a second. But there's also a small appearance by one of the dads from that '70s show. Not Red. The other one. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, he plays the guy who beats the shit out of Alec Baldwin, and then Alec Baldwin goes to his bar and like smacks him in the face, and he just bleeds all over the place. Oh yeah, he's
1: bleeding everywhere. He hits him with like a with a pool stick, with or a something.
2: pool cue. Yeah. What's oh. weird about that is that Alec Baldwin he gets roughed up by some toughs. And so he seeks them and beats the shit out of them, and he thinks, "Well, that's that.
0: <laughs>
1: that's
2: it. It's game over. No, nothing's gonna possibly come down on me and my family from that." And of course, they shotgun his wife to death. And who can blame them? He uh, he really I, was sticking his nose. No, where it didn't but go a, up. but again, none of this. The, this is my issue: is that like that
0: because you were saying he brought it on himself. But to be fair, they I felt like they threatened him first. That. They, they were asking him questions about the plane crash.
2: They gave him he, like 20 opportunities. They're like, just leave it alone. Just do not come. I'm sorry. I'm doing Quebec French now. But, uh, <laughs> uh, like, like, like just stop. Just stop looking it into it. It seemed like it. The,
0: scene, the scene with the belt buckle was before he really asked any questions.
2: Belt buckle? What are you referring to here?
0: He's in the woods. Yeah, I know. And uh-huh. he can't look up. And he just sees the belt buckle. He hadn't actually done any investigating at that point it was after the belt buckle threatening that he's like well i guess i gotta look into this and things go downhill from there
2: yeah there's
1: no reason for him to really even get involved in the first place except i guess he's just curious and he instantly ends up in this world of trouble uh and i I agree with you liam i feel like it just kind of all he brings it all upon himself
2: uh no that's what i said
0: yeah, that's what Doug said. I I feel like he's
2: I don't think he does it cuz just like I'm thinking they about they were it. just telling him to stop looking even though he hadn't started looking yet. But let's face it, the editing of this movie doesn't make any goddamn sense anyway. No, this movie no. by the way is over 2 hours. It's so long. It is so it's so long. long. But I'll tell you, compared to another movie which we may or may not be talking about, it breezed by. It was like a it, it was like a short film like that um that one we mentioned about the oil in the Roberts report. But I, I think this
0: is why it's so weird that he keeps getting away with it. Because there's just so many scenes of him threatening people. If he had only threatened people or like done crazy shit that civilians are supposed to do two, maybe three times. But there's like six different times where
2: you're like, he can't just go in there with a gun. That's not actually okay. Like, How does he – nobody is investigating what he's doing right now. My favorite scene in the movie involves him tracking down one of the people he thinks – Killed his wife because there was a a group of them. So he goes to this guy's apartment. And (laughs) then, like, they have a fight scene in this apartment, which ends up like going across the rooftops, going onto the street, going onto a street car where this guy pushes through and threatens the driver of it. (laughs) Alec Baldwin pulls out a gun and points it at him, and all the people in the street car go, Shoot him! That if was I, my favorite part as well
1: Everyone's on his side you know? Everyone
2: is on his side But the weird thing is how it ends Where it kind of gives uh, That Dave Robichaux character Played by Alec Baldwin A break Because he is totally gonna kill this guy But he doesn't have to Because they get in an accident And the guy ends up Through the windshield of a fucking car It's like Well I guess We'll let Alec Baldwin go for now Because he didn't murder this guy The guy kind of murdered himself
1: Yeah it works out really well Like he, he Does he He gets pushed out of the streetcar And then A car rams into him and he falls through
2: the windshield of that car. Am I right? That sounds about right. That sounds like something that happens. A lot
1: of shit happens to this one guy in like (laughs) 10 seconds.
2: (laughs) So Eric Roberts in this movie plays the local kind of kingpin of crime. He's kind of a a doofus. He's a childhood friend of Dave Robichaux, Alec Baldwin's character. And so they have kind of like a Boyd Crowder relationship for those who watch Justified. You know, they kind of grew up together. So when all the shit starts going down, Alec Baldwin goes to visit Eric Roberts in his giant mansion where he likes to go boxing in his front yard. And, and I mean... He eats shrimp. He loves shrimp. He loves shrimp. He has cornrows at some point for some goddamn reason. Uh, and, you know, they have a chat and it's kind of tense, but it's also fun. Uh, but Eric Roberts is married to Terry Hatcher and we find out at the end of the movie because... Of something very strange, which I'll talk about in just a second That she has actually gone above Eric Roberts' head And has been kind of running the show Trying to kill Alec Baldwin When Alec Baldwin actually at that point Suspects that Eric Roberts is the person doing it Anyway, the reason he figures that out Is because it is established very early on That Terry Hatcher likes to drink her What kind of drink is it? Anyone remember? It's a, a ricky of some kind Yes, uh, uh, a, gin gin, ricky. Gin, a gin ricky a, yeah. a gin ricky So she drinks it in like a, a, a hand Um, uh Thermos type thing, let's say And she, uh, it's established In the very first scene that she's in That she likes to put it on tables without a coaster So she's leaving rings all over the place
1: Eric Roberts has a great line That I wrote down, where he says I've got rings on the table, rings on the bar Rings all over the whole goddamn house And that's because <laughs> She's never using a coaster Which so, is very important, as you were saying Yeah.
2: So this is, like, the main thing in the movie Because right near the end He goes to a person's house Someone connected to this, all this nasty business, and he finds rings on her table, on his table, sorry, this person's table, and he takes a second Alec Baldwin knows, and he, like, takes the condensation, and he licks it, he, like, puts it on his finger, and he licks it, and he's like, I know who's responsible for this, except, of course, the condensation does not taste, like, what's in the container that condensates. He's just drinking water And there's lots of people Who have rings On their fucking furniture But this is the condemning thing That allows him to figure out The entire fucking plot Of the movie It is outstanding And I have to say I liked Heaven's Prisoners From beginning to end I just had a good time with it But by the time it was over All I could think of is That didn't make sense That didn't make any fucking sense It's just a collection <laughs> of scenes That don't make sense That are kind of fun to watch In sequence The uh, tasting of the condensation First of all Is
1: disgusting <laughs>
2: And so it gross.
1: Reminds me of um, that Walker Texas Ranger scene when Walker leans down and tastes the soil and says, "A plane crashed here." <laughs> it's like the logical leap that the character takes that you know helps him sort of solve the problem is is staggering. Uh, and and, and uh, baffling to me But also entertaining I was, I was laughing my ass off When I saw Baldwin tasting the condensation ring And going, oh yeah, it was Terry Hatcher all along So
2: he goes to uh, confront Terry Hatcher And uh, she basically <laughs> admits to everything Not realizing that Eric Roberts is just hiding behind the door Because he lives in the house that she's in And he hears it all And he gets very upset that she has no respect for him So she, she shoots her to death And uh, then Alec Baldwin calls the cops And that's it. That's the end of the movie because I guess Bubba, played by Eric Roberts, has to kind of face the music at that point. Eric Roberts is in this movie playing a character named Bubba Rock. He's playing a very interesting – you know, I kind of thought when I was watching it – I know that you haven't uh, been watched The the Pope of Greenwich Village. It's sort of – the character that he's playing in this is sort of like a grown-up version of the character he played – in that movie, where he's just sort of small time, even though he's trying to be big time, and he talks big, but he's really just kind of a scared little boy inside. But I actually really liked him in this movie. Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Heaven's Prisoners?
0: I mean, I really enjoyed his performance. The character was so weird, though, in the sense of, like, Alec Baldwin just spends the whole movie insulting him. And the one, to- the one time that he responds negatively is when he thinks Alec Baldwin is sleeping with his wife, which Alec Baldwin's trying to do everything he can to avoid that scenario. Yes. It's like his number one, you know, she's basically stripping. There's all kinds of like weird seduction from her. Mm-hmm. And Alec Baldwin just keeps responding like she's the grossest person he's ever interacted with in his life. <laughs> and the one time Eric Roberts gets mad, his character gets mad at him. It's because he thinks, like, they're having sex.
2: So uh, so they fight. And by the way, Alec Baldwin gets the better of him pretty significantly in that yeah, fight. Yeah, easily, easily,
0: <laughs> which is Baldwin like, you know, well, I, you know, Eric Robb's character, he never has a shirt. Like, the character is interesting. Like you said, he's like a giant child. He's showing off for no reason. Clearly, <laughs> the the mafia – I mean – I would not have pictured the mafia being the source of all the crime yeah. in New Orleans. That was also
2: weird. I love how but, the mafia hey. guy, he's like so over Eric Roberts' character. He's just yeah. like, "Like, why do you keep fucking up? What are you doing? I mean, he's like saying it like very sedated. It's like, what? Why? Like, what is happening here? It's supposed to be so fucking easy. Why are you blowing up planes trying to kill somebody? Uh, and that guy, I just like how tired he seems with the whole thing by the end of it. Ben Gordon, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Heaven's Prisoners?
1: Well, it was such a a pleasure to watch him in this movie and just really he brings a lot of gravitas. You know, he he gives the character of Bubba a lot of uh, uh, not a lot of menace, but there's just something sort of dangerous about him that makes him very watchable. Uh, they describe him in the movie as like one of those guys that's eating light bulbs and pushing thumbtacks <laughs> into his kneecaps.
2: I don't even know what that means I don't know
1: I've never known a guy like that <laughs> so, so like, that makes him seem kind of dangerous to me you know but he's also you know you care about him uh, to the point that he's not all in out villainous like he's there's something about him that you know baldwin can't uh, get away from his character's uh, sort of childhood connection with, with Bubba Rock. And so mm-hmm. I really I, – I, I bought that. Like I felt like Eric Roberts fully inhabited uh, this role uh, even though he is kind of, uh, like you said, sort of a, a foolish kind of small-time criminal. Like there is something about him that's that's fully watchable in this. Um, maybe the cornrows helped, and then when he takes the cornrows out at the end of the movie, I was kind of shocked. I don't know <laughs> if you guys had this reaction where you're like, "Whoa!" Like, where would the cornrows go? And then <laughs> yeah. he shoots his wife out of a window, and I'm just like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. But uh,
2: so much shocking behavior from Eric Roberts. <laughs> he's shocking.
1: I mean, uh, because I haven't seen him in so much, you know. So like, right. it was uh, he. This was a really good one to watch uh, after uh, the, the next mm-hmm. one. We might talk what? about okay. Well, you know, if, we, if we do talk about it. but <laughs> Oh, I'm
2: sorry. We're out of time. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, but we... uh, what, Sorry, say that again. Oh, all I was going to say is we are indeed out of time about this conversation on Heaven's Prisoners. We have to get to the question of the day, which is, does this movie promote the idea that Eric Roberts is the fucking man? Or does it refute the idea? And since you're the guest, Ben, fucking man or no? Fucking man. I, this promotes it all the way. This makes me want to see him more. I want to watch
1: Pope of Greenwich Village. Uh, you know, it rem- the movie reminded me a little of Inherent Vice yeah. I felt like it would have paired well with that a That's bit. another
2: movie you saw him in in a small part Which I
1: saw him in, yes, exactly And he's great in that one scene And, and so, you know what, that, the, those movies, they align pretty well They're very different, but I, I feel like this is a pro-fucking-man Eric Roberts movie I give it an endorsement uh, for him <laughs> Endorsed
0: by Ben Gordon, what do you think, Liam O'Donnell, fucking man or no? I would say definitely. I mean, it's not his toughest role, obviously, like the character he is portraying is schmarmy and weak, but he really brings something to it. Like it's it's I enjoyed him more than probably any of the other characters
2: in the film. And also, thankfully, because of that famous Eric Roberts drawl, he he doesn't have to be trying so hard to put on an accent in this movie. He either. doesn't sound like an idiot. Yes, he doesn't. No. Well, it, it, when he does, it's because he's supposed to sound like an idiot. Right, right. I will, of course, confirm what the both of you just said. Eric Roberts is... The fucking man as the name of this podcast says And especially the fucking man in 1996's Heaven's Prisoners I think it's a fairly underrated movie in some way I mean it's not great, it doesn't always make sense But there are some really memorable fun scenes in it And you get to see Alec Baldwin crying in the rain And, like, screaming and trying to get to his wife Who's getting shotgunned to death And taking care of a little immigrant girl and You know, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff You get to see Mary Stewart Masterson with blonde hair Trying to be, like, a good prostitute or something
1: Anyway (laughs) And you know what? The last shot, I will say, I found to be genuinely poignant The very last shot of the movie
2: Yeah, you know what? It does end kind of nicely Though I could see being in a cinema And it ending up being like, whatever (laughs) Fuck this movie, two hours of my life down the goddamn drain 1996's Heaven's Prisoners Starring Alec Baldwin and Eric Roberts When we return, we will be discussing The werewolf classic, 2015's Dark Moon Rising Folks, you are not going to want to miss this conversation Be right back A group of shape-shifting werewolves descend upon a small town in search of a girl who is reborn once every 2,000 years. She holds the key to their survival, and all will die who stand in their way. That is maybe the plot? I of guess. 2015's Dark Moon Rising, Un- unwatchable piece of shit that I cannot <laughs> believe exists. Because watching it, and watching it is not only an irritating process, it is astoundingly confusing from start to finish. I didn't know what the fuck was going on at the beginning, at the middle, at the end. It was like all the scenes were taken and then put in a fucking blender and just put in random order. So nothing makes sense. I don't know who any of the characters are or what they're doing or why they're doing it. I don't know what happened at the end. I don't know the opening scene I don't know if that's connected to the rest of the movie I don't know how the fuck it fits in There's like a a truck on fire I don't know what is going on in this movie I suspect And this might be the case Because we've seen different lengths Listed online of like how long this movie is The version that we watched is the common version I know that but that version is about a little bit under 90 minutes long. But I know that there are apparently are versions out there as long as two hours. So I suspect that there's a large chunk of this movie missing. Including, apparently, uh, scenes featuring Billy Blanks, who is not in the version not in that the we movie. watched. As Sheriff Tom. So I guess Sheriff Tom is on the cutting room floor. But oh. this movie, in its current form, the form that if you are seeking it out, that you will find, makes no fucking sense. Liam O'Donnell, what did you think of 2015's Dark Moon Rising?
0: Uh, Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. All right. First of all, when, when you say if, uh, it's unwatchable? The thing that people have to understand is the first like six minutes of the film are actually literally unwatchable. It's like you know, sometimes when you're watching a cheap movie and they're quote unquote filming at night. It's funny because it's so bright. You're like, it's not at night. Like you filmed <laughs> during the day and you just turned it down a little bit. This film has the opposite issue in which you can only barely tell anything is happening. It's just dark with weird dialogue and then some explosions and stuff. Like it's uh-huh. – and I literally – it. and then not only that, it starts off like just jumping into this nonsensical super-powered werewolf plot mm-hmm. that I spent the first – 15 minutes being like is this a f- messed up copy of the movie did i miss something like what is going on is is there a scene missing like what's what's happening right now and it was it took me a while to get into the rhythm of like oh right nothing in this movie makes any sense
2: no one gets introduced so you don't know who the characters are or no. what their background is or what their no. relationship is with anything the lead character is a high school student i guess he's high school student must be right named chase who is he looks like He's from a Korean boy band And he acts like He Stepped off the set of Twilight And he whispers every line And he must think He's the coolest motherfucker In the goddamn world And I couldn't look at the screen Without wanting to destroy him Like just I just wanted to tear him to pieces, and I'm not an angry person. I don't know where it came from. All I wanted to see was him not exist anymore, and that's how I felt during the running time of Dark Moon Rising. Ben Gordon, please temper some of my anger. Tell us how much you liked Dark Moon Rising.
1: Well, I'll try to start um, with the positive, which is yes. that it's it's hard it's hard to make a movie.
2: Yes, it's, that is it's, true.
1: It's difficult. To pull together the resources and the talent uh, and the time and the money to make a movie, let alone a good movie. It is an accomplishment.
2: Like In in itself, the making of a movie from start to finish is an accomplishment that should be appreciated to the point where you should be able to watch that movie and and recognize that accomplishment while you're doing it. And once watched, you then have the right to say whatever you want about your feelings on that movie, as we are doing right now. Ben Gordon, what did you think of Dark Moon Rising? precisely you should be able to watch the movie
1: and as liam said you can't like this movie is so dark because you can't watch it you can't see it is what's called happening.
2: dark moon rising
1: dark moon rising i keep wanting to call it bad moon rising yeah like me too our song I just, oh. but anyway
2: it's also the can't. first part of the dark moon trilogy Oh God!
1: It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the first, like seven minutes of the movie, you can't see anything. the The lead guy, you said he looked like he's in a Korean boy band. I thought he looked kind of like Chris Gaines. Yeah, bit.
2: I don't know anything about right. that guy.
0: No, see, I was I was gonna say I was gonna say he looks like a fan of the band Attila, who spends most of his time making revenge porn. Like he looks like that kind of guy, you know? It's like,
1: not a good guy. Um, there's this, he's not. He's not. And and there's no like this movie is either like really, really dark and, and uh, it's, there's nothing visible in the frame or it's like overexposed um, and, and just kind of washed out. Um, it's, the, the plot is
2: incomprehensible. There's a lot of weird voiceover used in the movie where – So their inner no monologues. We can, we can actually – yeah, we can hear their inner, inner monologues at points in the movie as if we're reading minds and it is a something that could be interesting I guess in a different movie. Especially with the implication, I I thought at some points that that characters were psychic and could actually read some minds. But in practice, in this movie, it just makes a confusing, confusing scenes like all the more confusing. Even more confusing. He'll be in school, and like first of all, the
1: classroom he's in—I don't think it's a classroom. I don't <laughs> think it's at a classroom. It's like the teacher sitting in a director's chair, which is presumably like the director's <laughs> chair of Dark Moon Rising, and she's asking the kids about, I guess, like their. I don't remember what she's teaching, but but uh Chase is really eager to share his lichen knowledge as he knows about the lichens
2: and the werewolves. <laughs> and then we'll she is the- so impressed so by his fucking lichen knowledge. His teacher <laughs> played his teacher, goes, by the way, reminds,
1: She goes, "No one has ever gotten the metaphor correct. Like it's so literal and specific." The and metaphor you
2: know, correct.
1: She got the he got the metaphor correct, and I forgot. You reminded me, Doug, that this is the first movie I've ever seen in my life where, when the opening title comes on, it's read to you, like someone's voice goes, "Yes, dark
2: moon rising." Oh like, my god! <laughs> I was already groaning. I should mention we should mention that the uh, English teacher in that scene was played by Eliza Roberts, the wife of Eric Roberts, who does have a small part in this movie and then just goes away as all she's, the other characters do. She, she, as she well. was very good. <laughs> she was, good. I, I
1: was glad she was there. Yeah, she's can tall.
2: I can
0: I suggest an interpretive matrix for this film? Please. So the entire time I was watching it from uh the way that various werewolves were not just werewolves, they had powers and power <laughs> levels. They had attacks, like they would talk about their attack moves. Yeah. Like and even when you mentioned it, Ben, the, the reading of the title, everything about this movie screams bad anime. The film is like, it's the quality level is take the quality of any low budget, no budget film where someone's like, okay, I'm really inspired by this horror movie. I'm really inspired by this sci fi movie. And I'm going to do my version of it. It's that kind of filmmaking, only this person is really inspired by by bad anime. And so they're basically making a live-action version of bad anime with no special effects budget, no knowledge of editing, no knowledge of lighting, no even knowledge of audio because the voiceovers are – part of the reason they suck is that they're disruptive in their sound quality. You're just like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening right now? And, and, and then they take something that already has a sort of classic association, werewolves. You mm-hmm. think – if you're watching a werewolf movie, if your average – uh North American, you have some ideas going in usually of okay, werewolves, I know what werewolves about. And it completely changes anything yeah. you would know about werewolves
2: and gives them <laughs> powers and shit, and then never gives you the information. It never it, gives you the rules of this vampi no. of this vampire At of this all. werewolf universe. Like it doesn't seem to take a moon <laughs> to to do anything with them. Like you said, they have X-Men type powers. Uh some of them don't even seem to be werewolves at all. I don't really like you barely ever see them turn. By the way, when they turn into a werewolf, the they're, they're just wolves. Like they'll just be a wolf. <laughs> yeah. Well some of them scary. are just, some of them are just wolves and some of
0: them are weird crossbreeds, which yeah. if you read in the description on IMDB, it claims there's different species of werewolves And right. there's like an alpha species
2: Well, I should interrupt you here, Liam To mention that there's two pieces Of Dark Moon Rising trivia On the Internet Movie Database The first one is Received poor reviews the day it released <laughs> <laughs> nice And the second one Is Eric Roberts and Billy Blanks Are the only known names in the cast we well, cut that in half
1: <laughs> Billy Blanks isn't in the movie He's
2: not in the fucking movie Now, by the way Dark Moon Rising is a special effects Tour de Force. Or I should oh. say it's an After Effects Tour de Force. <laughs> uh, it is there are special effects all throughout this movie. Someone spent a lot of time on it. They don't always look terrible, but they usually look terrible. There's a part where like a wolf face appears on someone else's face and it's all like sideways and it looks so goddamn bad. And there are scenes which have fully CG wolves. Sort of walking around, and I applaud the fact that they thought that they could get away with that. And I also think, wow, Jumanji was a long time ago, but not to this movie it wasn't. It it is <laughs> unbelievable how it's it there's so much special effects. It reminds me of Spawn. Remember that movie Spawn based oh, yeah. on the comic book? Where it just has so much special effects, but and, and at the time it was like, wow, look at how much CG is in this. And now you look at it and it's like, wow, that looks awful from beginning to goddamn end. And this movie looks like that now. Especially these sequences which take place in this sort of nether world. What is that place? What is it
1: supposed to be? They just keep going, this place. This place
2: is so wonderful. Uh, Ben,
0: duh, it's the psychic world that all werewolves
2: share. Come on, man. Except they don't share it, apparently. She can just go there in her mind. And also he can join her, so that's something. Uh, And they get, yeah, she goes to this moonlit, Place that is inside her brain And he joins her And it's all using CG And it looks It's not that it looks Okay I gotta be careful in the sense that I don't want to just Say that it looks terrible even though it does But it it just looks Bad you know It just makes you look at (laughs) it and you're like I don't want to watch this what am I watching And that (laughs) also is a big part of the kind of Twilight-esque elements to this movie That is okay you're allowed to have a romantic element in this movie I'm giving you permission As the host of Eric Roberts' is The Fucking Man It is so badly done here For one thing, the love interest I don't know who she is I don't know where she comes from I don't know what her fucking deal is From the beginning to the end They have a relationship which just starts in the middle Without the intro <laughs> part They're, Like, I don't know how there's a, there's a second character Second female character Who's the daughter of Eric Roberts' character in this movie And I guess she's some sort of werewolf hunter and i thought she was going to be the love interest in the movie but she just sort of appears and disappears at random and then she has like a fight scene at the end and nothing happens i don't know what the fuck happened to that character or really why i was supposed to think about that character in the first place didn't she also have an accent of some kind yeah she had like a russian accent or something what the fuck was going on with that Oh man, I don't know, like
1: her character, yeah, just kind of ends up on the ground and they're like, oh, you failed your father and that's all we see of her. Um, But just before I forget, you reminded me of this stuff in like sort of the Netherworld place, this all CG place, this environment, and there's this shot, do you guys remember this shot? I just want to ask you real quick about <laughs> when Chase is holding his love interest slash girlfriend in front of the moon, and <laughs> I do. The moon is like digitally tracking with his head. <laughs> so like when he moves his head, the moon is like moving with his head unintentionally and it's just like it looks so bizarre And um, it was a highlight for
2: me That for sure. was right around the time they did like a montage Of the fact that these two can't be together For some reason and it shows them just in random Spots one of them is the woman Just sitting by the side of the road Like a busy street just sitting On the ground <laughs> <laughs> And I was like so that's how they're spending their time I guess and I think at that point She was supposed to be being hunted By these evil werewolves Okay we gotta talk about where do these werewolves Come from? Liam O'Donnell, where do these werewolves Come from? So based upon The one
0: of only, what Three scenes that Eric Roberts is in Uh It seems as if they come
2: From Vietnam Maybe? So There is a flashback (laughs) There's this There's this character played by Eric Roberts in this movie And I don't know what he's supposed To be or doing (laughs) And I know that what I just said Makes no sense, but it still makes more sense than What we saw in this movie. So he Mm -hmm. is I think an expert on werewolves, because he was in, not the Vietnam War, the American War. <laughs> he the keeps American going. War. Okay. He was in the Vietnam War, even though Eric Roberts was not of age to be. Okay. Anyway, he was in the Vietnam War and he encountered werewolves, <laughs> but, but what I don't understand is, so he isn't a werewolf. So no. did these werewolves somehow get to the United States via the conflict in In Vietnam?
0: I don't actually know (laughs) who and who is not a werewolf in this movie. Because there are multiple people who have abilities that are like the abilities that the lycans have. Right. But then they're somehow – in. so I just assumed everyone in the movie is some kind of werewolf. Everyone is a variety of werewolves and the varieties just don't get along.
2: But Eric Roberts seemed to hate werewolves. In fact, when Chase brings his love interest there who is turning into a more powerful werewolf – Or something They want her to go away and Because he's like He's really suspicious or something of her Even though they're supposed to be werewolf experts Eric Roberts and his daughter Uh, And so that made me think Okay he's not a werewolf He's just an alcoholic Because he just drinks through all of his fucking scenes Uh, And so I was very very confused So what I'm going to do now Is I'm going to play a quick clip Which hopefully will shed a little light on this This is a clip from the movie Now of course we were paying attention While we were watching But, you know, things can get past you, and in this movie it's easy for that to happen. So let's have a little listen. Werewolves. Sorry, Vietnamese werewolves. Naturally, my good boy. I see I have two options. One, I stay and you pull me into this fantasy world that doesn't exist. Or two, and by far the surest of my two options is I walk out that door and continue to live a life of clear and precise rules. Or you can shut up and listen, because we're only <laughs> gonna do this once. <laughs> 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 oh, 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 man. Lemme tell you something about your options. They don't mean squat. That, that uh, line, you, that don't mean squat, <sighs> Is accompanied by a close-up of someone, not Eric Roberts, pulling open his shirt to show a big werewolf scar on his chest Which may or may not mean that he is a werewolf I don't know By the way, I don't know how people get turned into werewolves in this movie either that does, That's never properly explained But what I really wanted to get across to you, the listener, with that clip just then Was that Chase, who does the majority of the talking at the beginning of that clip He has the worst, most irritating delivery <laughs> What about I that? Just- I, I want know. him to die. I just I – I, I, I don't want to hate the actor because it's not necessarily his fault, but I hate him. Like I, <laughs> I fucking hate How do you know it's not
0: his fault? I don't know what information you have that tells you that that's not – that he didn't come on set in those clothes. Those are his fucking clothes and his fucking haircut, and he was like, this is how I'm going to do it. And they were like, yeah, that's great. Just mumble – and and whisper everything and that'll be that'll be really good.
2: The great thing is he's playing like like the kid in class who's like he he likes to draw. He's dark, he's a little bit, you know, he's a little bit dangerous, but no one really knows what his deal is and he's this guy with this fucking like like he looks like a model, of course, because he is the lead of the movie and he's got this haircut that just makes me want to fucking kill him. <laughs> and this delivery that just I just want to strangle this fucking guy. And so everything about him means that he should be like captain of the football team, not depressed loner kid. And he's wearing these clothes that looks like – it looks like 2001 personified. Not 2001 A Space Odyssey, but the year <laughs> 2001 and the things people were wearing then. He just – I actually didn't realize how much I hated that fucking character until we started, we started talking, talking about
1: him. <laughs> well, he's like even Eric Roberts's character, Henrik, calls him out. I think he calls him like the Nightmare Before Christmas, yes, to his face. <laughs> and like, even Eric Roberts in the movie knows that this kid's just like a, a douchebag. He knows, and uh, and even Chase, even the main character, is sort of aware of his own stupidity because, like women will just approach him for no reason right. and they'll explain things to him and they'll be like, first of all, they'll be like, why are you following me? Like, stop following me, even though they're the ones that are always, it just makes sense. But then every time he's having a conversation with them, they'll like disappear or exit frame and yeah. he'll be too dumb to like, not just turn around and see where they went. And it's, he actually says aloud, he's like, Oh, I got to turn my head faster. <laughs> Such a ridiculous line. Um, I, I'm not going to give Cameron White, the actor, too much credit. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but I doubt that he's really showing much range here. And I've done a little research, and the photographs that you see of him online
2: don't stray too far
1: from the <laughs> character he plays in Dark Moon Rising.
2: But, of course, most I- of the blame should go towards director and actor in this movie, Mr. Justin Price, who plays the character of Sin. Sin.
0: <laughs> now, we
2: have not mentioned that most of the characters in this name have fucking idiotic names. Uh, I believe the main baddie is Kaio. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, Kaio. So I just want to jump to the end of the movie. There's a big fight. I don't know why people are fighting. I don't know what's happening. There's actually also a big slaughter that takes place at a rave where all the evil characters have a woman captured. Who was that woman? Is that the lead female? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I can't believe that we can't figure this out. But anyway, <laughs> the final scene, there's a big fight. And uh, Chase gets poisoned, and it looks like – and the only way that this poison won't kill him is if someone kills the head werewolf, which, of course, his girlfriend does. So obvious. Then the movie that, ends – Is that werewolf called Gecko of the Titans? Are we oh. thinking of the same – Oh, yeah that's, who, that's, 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 yeah, that's true. that's all wrapped in tinfoil. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And he <laughs> has a really stupid way of speaking. Um, and there's a he, title yeah. for him too. It like says it. like. Yeah, there's a couple of characters that have titles on the screen for some fucking reason oh, as well. Yeah. And video games They also do this thing Where they do like a, um, uh, An x-ray vision When they're fighting So they'll show their skeleton
1: <laughs> Oh yeah Like Final Destination or Yes
2: something. Or, or the recent Mortal Kombat movie, uh, video games But uh, So They win Like the bad guy And then There's a Like a, a Five second clip of Chase standing, and his face now has like werewolf features, and he runs off really quickly, which makes us think, I guess he's a werewolf now. Or and I'll, I got so angry <laughs> at the screen. I was like, No, fuck. And I was like, I just, so what I'm trying no, to say No, he was a werewolf the whole time. The poison he gave him was called Wolvesbane. Wolvesbane wouldn't affect you if you weren't a wolf. Why didn't he do any werewolf stuff the whole time? He couldn't he even fight did. the guy. No, no, no. He's a different my
0: understanding of the movie <laughs> was that he uh-huh. was a different kind of lichen. Remember the metaphor? A certain kind of lichen is not a hunter, it's a victim. He's the victim lichen. He was describing himself. You know what? To quote the teacher
2: in the movie, no (laughs) one has
1: ever gotten the metaphor correct.
0: (laughs) Except for Liam O'Donnell, apparently. Liam just got it. No, I I was paying attention because I was getting so angry of like, what the fuck is going on? I need to figure this shit out.
1: Did you guys think about like your lives while you were watching the movie and just sort of every passing wanting
2: to end it? (laughs) Yes, I was just
1: like, you know what? There was a point in time in my life where I'd be totally fine, sort of spending like eighty-eight minutes with a movie like this, and knowing we had to do this podcast, you know, made it a whole other thing. Where I was like, well, no, I'm going to sit through the whole thing. I've got to watch it. I'm going to take extensive notes. Um, And but I was
2: still kind of questioning (laughs) my place in the world. We Um, uh, Liam and I, Liam and I, made a blood oath. So of course we have to cover it. But I was. I was thinking about halfway through, maybe there doesn't need to be an Eric Roberts podcast. <laughs>
1: no, that's the problem, is it instills such doubt, and that's not your fault, that's this movie's fault. And it's, you know, I I, I just want to, before I forget, there's one more thing I want to ask you guys real quick, if that's uh-huh. okay. Oh, yeah. about, there's two editors on this film. <laughs> did Did you catch their names?
2: I did at the beginning, I didn't write it down. I remember them being, wait, I do, it's Sushi. Yeah, Mr. Sushi and Mr. X
1: and Mr. X, that's right, Mr. Sushi and Mr. X I couldn't find any other credits For either of these guys But I'm very curious about Mr. Sushi's work You know particular. what
2: it reminded me of Back in the 1990s there was a video game magazine Called Electronic Gaming Monthly And there was a, a guy who wrote Like a gossip column in that magazine Called Sushi X And he was well known because I think it was actually a revolving group of people But it was sort of like a, a, a name Used to promote anonymity and i have to say if i edited this fucking movie i would not tell anybody <laughs> <laughs>
1: i feel you know I, they probably did everything they could but it's difficult to uh to make a, a coherent film when you can't see anything and when you can't hear people because their mics are off and and uh, it's a technical disaster good point it's just, yeah
2: good point ben gordon, ben gordon eric roberts is in Dark Moon Rising for a couple of scenes. We already mentioned it. We played a little sound clip. What did you think of his performance here? Uh, I thought he had great
1: hair. I know it's not a big part of his performance. No, no, no. That
2: is one of the biggest parts of his most recent performances. We mention it every single time. Do you really? Oh, yes.
1: His hair looks great in this Mm -hmm. movie. And it was the first thing that kind of struck me. Absolutely. Um, He sort of seems like he's kind of doing his own thing. Like he's talking about how to ferment 500 proof alcohol and like he's uh, – you know, he's got another southern accent in this one I noticed. I don't know if he actually has a southern accent
2: or He not. does. He does sort of. Yeah. I mean he okay. certainly has that drawl. So Chase I think also
1: takes one on after he appears – after Eric Roberts appears in the movie. So chase please please, please stop of
2: saying the word Chase.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought that Eric Roberts was uh, maybe like a bit of an oasis in this desert of a movie. Like it was good to see him there. Um, but he can't really salvage it on his own. There's just, I don't think any one man or woman could. Uh, it's, it's just too much of a disaster. Um, it was really fun to watch him meet the lead character and then immediately take him out to the back and be like, you got to kill this guy who's turning into a wolf and you got (laughs) to kill him right now. (laughs) Kill this man. Uh, and, and you know, that was maybe like the, the dramatic height
2: of the movie. Um, all right. But, Liam Liam we, we were running out of time here. What did you think sorry. of Eric Roberts? No, it's okay. Let's hear it.
0: It seemed as if the scenes he were in, he was in <laughs> had more consistency. Like mm. there are multiple scenes between other characters in the film that don't feel like normal humans would think, yeah, that went well. Like, that's
2: that's good. We got it. We got it. And That's a seeds, wrap right there. You should all go out for a drink and reward yourselves.
0: Even if the content of his scenes was still confusing – he like I just imagine him being on set being like, "Okay, we need multiple cuts here. We need Okay, you need to do film it from this angle." Okay. "No, you say your line again. No one heard what you said. We got to do it again." So I just imagine him being on set for those scenes and just being like, "I got this. You stand over there, director
2: guy." Or like, I'll "I got to insult sure this I got to insult what this guy looks like because I could not go into a room with a guy who looks like this and not insult him." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All does right.
1: He die in the movie?
2: Yes, he does. Uh, someone comes out t- uh, to his house at night and slashes him, but we don't see him actually die. But yes, he gets killed. That's do right. we think that's- he's actually drunk in this movie? Or is now that-, that is a question. I think he's just playing drunk. He has a very similar part in the movie Cowboys vs Dinosaurs, which also came out in 2015, <sighs> where he shows up for like a couple of scenes as a drunk and uh, doesn't have really a lot of impact on the plot. And then he gets killed, and that's the end of his part. Um <laughs> That movie's a lot more fun than this one, I can tell you that much And it makes a goddamn lot more sense too Guys, we gotta say it right now Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2015's Dark Moon Rising? Ben Gordon, yes or no? No
1: He's the fucking man in general, yes But he's not the fucking man He's not the
2: fucking man in this movie He's just the man He's not a turd polisher He cannot polish this movie into something watchable What do you think, Liam?
0: The rest of the movie is so bad that even though I can say, "Well, Eric Roberts' performance is, you know, it's 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 competent. It's not terrible. It's surrounded by so much mind numbing. I don't know how this thing exists. Shit! That no, it makes him not the man. I if if I were him, I would find every copy and destroy it so no one would know <laughs> he was in it.
2: Longtime listeners of the show know that. Probably the movie that we least liked on this uh, podcast Was called Miss Castaway and the Island Girls That we uh, that we watched several, many episodes back at this point And I can actually safely say that Miss Castaway and the Island Girls Is one of the worst movies ever made Anyone who's seen it would probably agree with me It is just the worst A bad comedy can just be death I'm going to come out and say right now I think Dark Moon Rising is the worst movie we have covered on Eric Roberts is the fucking man And possibly one of the worst movies ever made It is such an irritating experience to go through Eric Roberts, he does not fail me He didn't fail me in this movie He does his job Probably does it better than he really needed to do Considering what's around him But I'm, not, I'm usually the, the, the person that, that goes against the grain When the rest of the people here say that Eric Roberts is not the fucking man But I'm going to be in agreement this time Three times a charm Eric Roberts in Dark Moon Rising Is not the fucking man Makes me very depressed to say It's tragic Chase that fucking asshole Fuck you Cameron White Anyway let's take our final break And when we come back we'll do a little bit of promoting A little bit of plugging And then we'll say goodnight So join us right after this from 1996 and Dark Moon Rising from 2015 Two more Eric Roberts classics Covered on episode 21 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man I want to give a big thanks To one Mr. Ben Gordon Who's just been a delight to have on the show I do not hold it against him that he picked An unwatchable movie for us to cover We are here for the challenge Better now than later When we have someone who maybe isn't as good natured About the whole thing Ben, thank you so much for being here Thank you for having me It's been so much fun I'm glad you've been had. Ben Gordon, if people want to find you or your work, now they can no longer see you on a Cineplex pre-show, unfortunately, but you are still out there in the universe. What's a good way to keep up on what you're doing? Uh, You can find me at Twitter, uh, on Twitter, at Mm. It's Ben Gordon.
1: That's G-O-R-D-O-N. And you'll just see a a lot of quips, uh, and that's about it. <laughs> oh, and you can also um, check out a Tumblr that I have if you'd like. Uh, oh. It's called Ben at TIFF, like the Toronto International Film Festival. Uh, a friend of mine and I do a show where I um, pretend to get exclusive coverage at the Toronto <laughs> International Film Festival, but I just have no access to anything. So it's sort of a fun show about uh, just a, a guy
2: trying to get the hottest scoops, but just can't. I do that same thing every year, but without the show. (laughs) (laughs) Liam O'Donnell, you're a superstar. You told us at the beginning of the episode about your latest CinePunks episode, which is very exciting. Where else can people find you online?
0: Well, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Liam Rules, R-U-L-Z. And then CinePunks, uh, Cinepunks CinePunks.com, yes, the correct spelling of rules. And uh, CinePunks.com, you know, we have... Uh, writing. We have multiple shows because there's Cinepunks, there's Horror <laughs> Business, there's Loud Fast Philly, which is updating every day to the point where it's just that's what I do every day is make sure it's updated. So, <laughs> um, yeah, those are all worth worth checking out. Uh, yeah.
2: All right. And of course, you can find my writing usually over at DailyGrindHouse.com, even though it is down at the moment. Hopefully, we'll be back up by the time this episode drops. You can also find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. And you can find me over on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L. E-Y. Uh, you can of course find Eric Roberts is the fucking man At ericrobertsistheman.com On Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M Or on Facebook just do a search for Eric Roberts is the man over there Get a little behind the scenes information and scoopage over there If you will Ben Gordon, Liam O'Donnell Thank you for joining me here to talk about these two movies On the next episode, episode number 22 We'll be featuring two other Eric Roberts classics, but for now we have to say good night. Say good night, everybody. Good night.
0: Good night, everybody. everybody.
2: Everybody, we love you very much. Everybody, all right, keep listening. Tell your friends. Subscribe on iTunes. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is a
0: fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything
2: that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.